Good morning. morning. Have you kind of noticed that things are a little different today? Didn't Matt do a wonderful job? Yeah? Isn't it awesome? When God gives you a gift and you're willing to use it, Matt, did you have a good time this morning? Yes, see? That's That's the thing. When God gives you a gift, there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. With that being said, I'm not sure if you're going to enjoy the word this morning or not. You know, I've been reading Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet. And and it gets old after about, oh, I don't know, the first 12, 10 chapters or so. But um, I hope this message isn't going to come across that way because that's not how the Lord gave it to me. You ever watch Princess Bride? My, many, many times, right? Yeah, one of my favorite lines in there is, I don't think that word means what you think it means, right? Okay, so that being said, let's play a little word game this morning. What does fasting mean to you? I'm getting a little feedback. Does everybody else hear that? Okay, is that better? Okay, so what does the word fasting mean to you? Just shout it out for me nice and loud so everybody can hear. Not eating. eating. What else? Giving up. up. What's another word? Very good. We're going to let Pastor Kenny know that you remembered that. A. She got an A+. Yay, Mary Charles. And I went to the dictionary because, you know, that's what I do. The word fasting means giving up food and or drink willingly for a period of time as an element of private or public religious devotion. And that is true as far as it goes. But how many of us know that God doesn't always stop? as far as it goes. A lot of times he goes a lot deeper. So if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 56, 58, chapter 58, Isaiah 58. We're looking at verse 6. And I am reading from the Amplified Version, and you're like, oh, more words. But sometimes more words help us understand the actual meaning of, the, of what's being said. Is, the, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every enslaving yoke. I don't see anything in there that says anything about food, do you? Mm -mm. I don't see anything about giving up something fun and good. Because that's the way I've always thought of fasting. You give up something that you really, 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 really like for a little while to prove to God that you really, really want him to be good to you. And that's kind of the way my brain kind of works with it. And I think a lot of people's brains kind of go that way with the word fasting. But the word fasting, according to the Lord, is giving up. But what are you giving up? Let's look at it. We're giving up bonds. 
bonds of wickedness. What do the bonds do? They tie us up. Bonds tie you up where you can't move, where you can't go. Sometimes they put bonds around your face. Anybody here ever like to watch forensic files? Yeah, I'm not the only one here, good. Um, sometimes people put duct tape across your mouth so that you can't even say anything. You're, not even, you're so restricted, you're so tied up, you're so bound that you can't say anything, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. And that's what sin does to our spiritual lives. It keeps us all tied up. I'm afraid I can't say that at work. Somebody might get offended. I can't do this. Someone might get offended. We're so afraid of offending that we're tied up in this bond of not being able to go anywhere or do anything. What else do we have here? Undo the bands of the yoke. You know what the bands are on the yoke? That's what holds you to the yoke. That's what holds the yoke to you. That's what holds the one that you're following to you. You are hooked to whoever is on the other side of the yoke. So who's on the other side of your yoke? Hmm. Let me see. Could it maybe be outbursts of anger? Can we say road rage? Could it maybe be Oh, you're laughing. I knew I'd get somebody. I knew I'd get somebody with that one. Could, could it be maybe, oh, I don't know, unforgiveness? Or maybe you've forgiven, but you refuse to forget. Do you hear both the wisdom and the foolishness in that statement? I'm never, ever, ever going to forget. God forgets everything when he forgives, and we are called to be like him. But there's also the wisdom. I'm never, ever, ever going to let them hurt me like that again. And that is wisdom. When you come across evil, you stay away from it. To let the oppressed go free. Anybody say prison? Prison in your soul. Prison in your heart. The prison that tells you you're not good enough. The prison that says, you can't do that. I can't preach. I'm a woman. I struggled with that for a good solid year before I said anything to Kenny. I'm a woman. How can God call me to preach? God calls his people to do what he wants them to do when he wants them to do it. And you can't go around using the excuse Oh, God, I'm just a woman. God, I'm just a little kid. That's the, that's the excuse Jeremiah tried to use. God, I'm just a, God, I'm just a young man. Nobody's going to listen to me. And what did God tell him? I will be with you, and I will put my words in your mouth. He didn't have any excuse. He actually got kind of mad at Moses, didn't he? He finally gave up and said, fine. I'll let Aaron come along and do the fun stuff. You just tell him what to say. So Aaron got to be the spokesperson instead of Moses. And that you break every enslaving yoke. What does a slave do? Whatever his master tells him to do. 
who owns a slave? Not the slave. Slave doesn't own themselves. An enslaving yoke, that sin that you keep coming back to over and over and over again, that donut, the last donut in the box, and you haven't touched a donut in over a year, and I ate the donut. That's not actually a sin to eat a donut, okay? But that's a good example of how, how sometimes we are with things. Addicts struggle with that all the time. Many addicts do, unless they've been completely freed from it like Troy has. They can be dry for going on 15, 16 years, just like my sister. And then if something comes along and they take that one drink, they're right back off the wagon, just as if it, they had never left it. My sister hasn't, ha hasn't had that happen to her and I continually pray that it won't. But it could. When your life doesn't belong to Jesus, you are continually enslaved. Now then, thinking that this doesn't happen to good Christians, God has given us this wonderful example of a good Christian. Let's go to Matthew, which where is it? Not Matthew, I'm sorry, Acts. My bad. We'll get to Matthew later. Acts chapter 8. There's a really good Christian. New convert. Loved the Lord. Hung around with the disciples. His name was Simon. He used to be a magician. He used to be part of the world. He used to be a big guy. He used to have crowds of people listening to him. And this is what happened to Simon. He believed, and after being baptized, he devoted himself constantly to Philip. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, because the word Philip there, it's himself. But Simon believed. He, I believe, Simon was baptized. I've been baptized. Simon devoted himself to being discipled by a very good discipler by the name of Philip the Evangelist. Now, this Philip is not Philip the Apostle, which I always thought it was up until like a few months ago or something I was reading a commentary. This is Philip the Evangelist, one of the deacons that helped out when the, um, when the widows were being, when the Greek widows were being neglected at the dinners in Jerusalem. You remember that? You can go back and read it later if you don't. This is, a, this is a guy who loved the Lord. He was following the Lord. He was doing the best that he could do with what he knew about the Lord. But he had kind of a blind spot. Anybody here ever have a blind spot in your car? When you look in your mirrors, your rear view mirrors, and you, you don't see anything, so you think you're going to do over there, and you do that last minute quick turn, and oops, there's a car right there at your rear, your rear axle. You ever done that? Yeah, kind of scary, isn't it? Got to learn to turn your head and look. He had a blind spot. Peter tells him what his, his blind spot is. He has a contriving thought and purpose of his heart. 
he always had something going on. He always had something working in his brain. He wanted to be able to give the Holy Spirit the same way the apostles did. And for some reason, the only way he could think of doing that was to pay for it. How many of us know that the gift of the Holy Spirit is free to us? We know that, right? You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You don't have to be, you don't have to know enough for it. The gift of the Holy Spirit is free to those who love the Lord who want him. If you want him, he will honor that if you know him and you love him. Now, when you read through this story, there's one thing that I notice a glaring, glaring thing. Simon watched all this stuff happen, but there's nowhere in here that says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we forget that. that Holy, the Holy Spirit has a purpose in our hearts and our minds and our lives. His purpose is to fill you so full of the love of God that he's going to start showing you personally without somebody having to come along and say, you depraved and wicked person. You don't have to have that if you've got the Holy Spirit. He himself will tell you, Tommy, you've got to stop talking like that. He himself will tell you, I can't stop, you know, when you say to him, I can't stop talking like that. I'm just so angry. And he's like, bingo. He himself will take that anger out of you if you'll let him. And then you're free. We're going to come to that in a second, too. Let's go back to Isaiah. He's fun. Isaiah's great. Same chapter. 56, 58. I keep saying 56, probably because there's a 6 down here somewhere. There's a reason why I don't do math. Okay? Let's look at what happens when you let God himself get involved in your sin. What happens when the bonds are loosed? You're free to get out. You're free to move around. You're free to go and to be and to do. What happens when the bands of the yoke are undone? the yoke falls off. You're no longer tied to it, and you're no longer tied to whoever Satan is on the other side of it. You're not tied anymore. You can get up and walk around. You're free. The oppressed go free. What happens when you open the prison doors? Oh, come on, you know this. You've seen enough prison break movies, right? You open the prison doors and the prisoners get out. They're free. They're not in their cells anymore. They're free. That depression that they've been living under is gone. 
that restriction is gone. They're free. Are we, are we kind of sort of getting a sense of things going on? You break. What happens when the enslaving yoke is broken? Think about that. What happens when that sin that you always are so used to going to, it's your go-to to feel better in the world? It's, it's what's always drawn you back. What happens when that is broken? When the yoke is broken, it cannot be used anymore. It can't be put on you anymore. It's a broken yoke. It's not just falling off. It's not just laying on the ground and you can walk away from it. You can't go back to it anymore. You're totally free from that enslaving yoke. It's totally gone. And we have to understand that the fast of the Lord is giving up. It is giving up all that stuff that used to hold you back. It's giving up your blind spots and letting the Holy Spirit teach you. It's giving up that inner, inner urge to lead and to be in front and to always have people looking at you. Anybody ever heard of a drama mama? Can we say Kardashians? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't have that urge. You don't have that drama anymore. It's gone. It's gone. But how do you get there? How does that happen in my heart, in my life, in my soul? And Peter, let's go back to Acts again. We're just going to play back and forth a little bit today. Let's go back to Acts again. And this is what Peter said. He gave Simon the cure. Repent of this depravity and wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, this contriving thought and purpose of your heart may be removed, disregarded, and forgiven you. Who can remove a sin that you can't get out of? Willpower doesn't do it. If willpower could do it, there would be no addicts in the world. If willpower could do it, there would be nobody sitting under depression in the world. If willpower could do it, someone with a broken back could get up and walk. Willpower can't do it. God is the only one who can actually remove sin from your heart and from your soul. Disregard sin? Who can disregard sin? You can't dis God cannot disregard sin, can he? It's not something that he's just going, oh, well, that's okay, honey. You've really had a hard life. You, you can come on into heaven and be happy with me. You can't come into heaven unless your sin is gone, unless it's been disregarded, unless it's not even there anymore. It's called justification. Pamela knows that one. Just as if I'd never done it. Disregard. Forgiven. 
Who forgives sin? Pharisees knew that, didn't they? Pharisees knew that. He can't forgive sin. Only God can forgive sins. Who forgives sins? God does. This isn't something we can do on our own. We need help. The only, thing, the only person who can do this for us is God. He is the only one who can go into your soul, clean out those blind spots, and I'm going to say spots plural, because I've been following the Lord for going on 35 years, and he still finds things about me that I was not aware of. I'm sure you found a lot. It's okay that you don't tell me. But all those things are only done by Christ, by the work that he has accomplished on the cross for us, and by the spirit that he has given us to walk with us and to teach us and to lead us and to guide us. It's not a diet. I don't know. I'm a woman. I can turn anything into a diet, right? I'm going to fast for Lent. I'll do away with carbs for six weeks. And at the end, I'll be 12 pounds lighter, right? Trust me, from experience, it doesn't work that way. It's not a diet. This is, and it's not even a lifestyle. You hear that now in the diet world. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. You've got to eat healthy the whole rest of your life. It's more than that. It's actually a heart change. It's a ooh, transformation. It's a transformation of your soul from what you used to be like to how God sees you now. And he's going to keep doing that your whole life. And that's what repentance does for you. Everybody goes, oh, repentance, I'm so horrible, I'm so bad. Well, yeah, we are, but repentance is a gift. It is a gift. Without repentance, we would have no recourse for those blind spots. We would have no way to get out from under our sin. It's a gift. It's a joyful, wonderful, fabulous gift. Go to it and use it all the time. God is so good. He frees us when we say, okay, God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. What happens in a war? when one side wins and the other side loses. They surrender. What is this? I surrender all. And we sing that and we mean it as far as we know. But God knows deeper and more. And I'll tell you where I think, if you want to go back and look at it in Acts 8, I think where um, Simon might have gone wrong a little bit. He said... Please pray for me that these things don't happen to me. He's talking about his sin sticking to him forever. We'd, we can have godly people pray for us. We can have a responsibility partner that holds us to our promises and asks us how we're doing. But since it's God himself that does the forgiving, and it's God himself that does the disregarding, and it's God himself that does the removing, why don't we just go straight to God and ask him?
that's all repentance is. Just go straight to God and ask him. And you know what? Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it's like with Troy when, when um, he was delivered from drugs. Instant, instant. Other times it takes a long time, like with me. I've gone years with having a very nice tongue. And then all of a sudden, something will blurt out of my mouth, and I'm like, where did that come from? People at work even comment on it sometimes. Tommy, we always like to listen to you. We never know what you're going to be saying. Never know what's coming out of your mouth. I'm not all, that's not always a compliment. All this to say that the fast of the Lord is a freedom for eternity for our souls. It's not just giving up good stuff in order to get God's stuff. But how many of you know that just because you give up a bad thing doesn't mean that you've chosen a good thing? It's not always either or. Sometimes it's either, 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 or. Okay? I might give up donuts, but what am I doing about those chocolate chip cookies? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't mean any different. I might give up every carb in my life, but what does that do to the milkshakes that are full of protein powder and sour cream? Yeah, I know how to make a good smoothie. Okay? Just because you've given up one bad thing doesn't mean you've always chosen a good thing. But God always chooses the good things, right? Matthew. Woohoo. You thought. Chapter 12, 11, chapter 11, verse 28. We'll start there. You probably don't even need to turn to it. You probably already know it by heart. Come to me. This is Jesus talking, okay? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. And he's not talking about our physical lives here. He's talking about our souls. The freedom and the rest and the quiet that comes into our souls when instead of being banded and hooked up to Satan, we are now banded and hooked up to Jesus, the Redeemer and the Savior of our soul. It is good stuff, isn't it? It's a really awesome. 
Acts chapter 26, verse 18 says, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may thus receive forgiveness and release from their sins and a place and portion among those who are consecrated and purified by faith in me. That's a word from the Lord. I believe it was given to Paul. That doesn't mean it's not for us too. Why did Jesus set us free? He wants to have a relationship with us. It's for freedom that he set us free. You're free, people. Stop walking around under this cloud of condemnation. Stop walking around like just because I got sick, I must be all, you know, ugly and mean. Because you're not. We've had a lot of sickness in our body, haven't we? That does not mean that our body doesn't love Jesus. It does not mean that the people who've been ill don't love Jesus. Because it's not our physical body that counts anyway. It's our souls, it's our hearts, it's our minds. Anybody ever heard of the corn dog theory of man? The corn dog theory is so awesome. I wish I had thought to bring a corn dog with me so you could see what I meant. Okay? What is a corn dog? A corn dog is a hard stick with a piece of meat slipped onto it that's surrounded by some very delicious breading. And if it's done right, it's deep fat fried, right? Yeah, really good. I'm sorry, I'm from the South. We deep fat fry everything. Okay, so the corn dog theory of man goes like this. We are a spirit. You realize that the spirit is the stick. It is the most solid, enduring part of a corn dog. Even after the rest of it's gone, you still have the stick, right? We have a body. We're basically hot dogs, people, right? We have a body. We have a mind. We can think. We can think. And we are surrounded. I, I, I did that wrong, didn't I? I surely did. I can't believe I did that wrong. Oh, my goodness. Heaven from, okay, try it again. Stick, spirit. Hot dog, mind. Have you ever seen how they make a hot dog these days? You will never want to eat another hot dog as long as you live. I'm not going to tell you how they do it because you would be grossed out and you might be angry with me about that. Never being able to eat hot dogs again. But you never know, it's whatever goes in that hot dog is all kinds of icky stuff and that's basically how our minds are until God gets hold of us. But we are surrounded by a body. And just like that yummy, delicious, cornbread coating on the corn dog. Our bodies are just as fragile and just as open to damage. Anybody ever microwave a hot dog one second too long or microwave a corn dog one second too long and the breading just kind of goes like that? Yeah, our bodies are made to be fragile. 
Our minds are made to be taught, and our spirits are made to live forever. That's the corndog theory of man. So stop walking around under condemnation because maybe your cornbread coating has, has lost its first edge of deliciousness to it. Or maybe your mind has been filled with some stuff that doesn't belong there. Because God is going to clean all that out, and we're going to live forever in heaven, in bodies that don't wear out, with minds that are not all cluttered up with junk. Look to that. Look to that. Be encouraged. Use the gift of repentance that God has given you. It's wonderful. It's glorious. Amen and amen.